Welcome to the Central Church of Christ podcast. We are located at 3501 Cheviot Avenue, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45211. It is our mission to worship God and follow Jesus as we love and serve in His name through the power of the Holy Spirit. Come see us sometime at 1030 on a Sunday morning or each Wednesday as we feed the community at 530 p.m. We hope the following message inspires you in some way. And so what this looks like to us, I think loving someone enough to actually go to them and talk to them about what's going on. Oftentimes, we talk the most to the people that can help us the least. And we talk more to people who are uh, tertiary, just like on the outside. We, we talk to people on the outside more than we talk to the person that there's an issue with. I'm all for gaining advice and all that stuff, but that's, that's not what we're doing, honestly. We're just, just talking. A great example that Paul gives us to start the day off is this. You go to these people because they matter, and you make a plea. I need you back, girl. I need you back by my side. I need you back contending with me for the gospel and stop this nonsense, whatever it is. Make a plea. Tell people you love them and they matter by going to them face-to-face and being honest. It's a good example, Paul. Read verse 3 with me. I want to be this dude or this girl. I want to be this girl. Not, not afraid to say it. I want to be this girl. If it's a girl, we don't know. It's one of these mysteries. And here's another thing. Paul makes this mention in verse 3 and we don't know who it is. But here's something that's true. The church wasn't wondering who this is. Look at this. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Get the right people involved. Be a person who makes things better. Be a person that says, we can get through this. We can do it. What a great compliment to whoever that person is. Verse 4, Paul encourages us uh, to see the positive. And I want to say to all of us is that just because something isn't right doesn't mean everything is wrong. So let's, let's not blow up the house because the sink is dirty. Just because one thing ain't right doesn't mean it's all wrong. And Paul encourages us to focus on the positive. In the middle of a conflict, be joyful. Rejoice. Think about what's right and what's good. Are you able to compliment people that you're being contentious with? That's a good habit. Being willing to say good things to someone that you're having a hard time with, it reminds you that they're not bad. You're just having a hard time right now. I love this verse. Paul's advice in a conflict is lead with gentleness. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Uh, I don't, like, I'm not very good at bowling, but I've learned more about it over the last several years. And I know this, is that everyone's approach, that's 
when you're here and before you do this, when you're walking up to it, your approach, it's called the approach. I learned that. Thank you. The approach can be different, but what the approach does, it needs, you, it needs to set you up to deliver the ball in a consistent, good way every time. Similar in golf, it doesn't matter what your swing looks like as long as you can deliver that club where, where, where you need to deliver it. Our approach matters, not just in golf, certainly not just in bowling. How we handle conflict, and I would encourage us, Paul's encouragement, lead with gentleness. Let's just start with kindness and softness. Uh, this idea of attacking people and thinking that it's going to make things better, that's a miss. Nobody really responds to attacks very well. So, hey, what's up? I've been seeing some things and you've been on my heart. What's going on? Whatever gentleness looks like, let's make that our approach. Rachel mentioned this in her class, is oftentimes we see prayer as a last resort. Why don't we make that a first call to action? Uh, the God who raised Christ from the dead, the God who knows all of our hearts and can hear us all at the same time, the God that loved us before, he's, before we were created, the God who Jesus could not wait to ascend to heaven for the Holy Spirit to come and fill each of us because he knew that he could, it was a force multiplier, that he could then, through the Spirit of God, he could be everywhere with everyone. Why, not we, why don't we lean there as we start? And what prayer does, it's a beautiful benefit, is it, it replaces anxiety with peace. That's a good part of the process. And I'm going to read all of these to you. And again, we've already talked about focusing on the positive. Finally, my dear brothers and sisters, when you're getting after it, when you're going through it, when you're in the middle of it, please, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Do you have people in your life that you allow to speak into your life that can remind you of things that are going right even when things are going wrong? I love this last one and I believe it wholeheartedly. This might be one of the secret recipes. We've got to start doing what we know is right. Not just talking about it. This is the way Paul says it. Whatever you have learned, whatever you have received, whatever you've heard, whatever you've seen, put it into practice. Listen, y'all, if we do these things that we've learned, life gets better. It gets easier. Conflict doesn't have to be a dirty curse word. It can be something just a normal part of our life that we can get through. And I'll challenge you by saying this, I'll bet you have less conflict when you do what you know is right. Also, Christians, this is like it's so simple, it's silly. 
Christians follow Christ. So let's follow Christ. I've believed this for a long time, is it shouldn't be hard to convince a Christian to act like Christ. So let's be easily convinced towards godliness. Jesus weighs in here. I want, I want, I want you to hear me say this. Uh, we are not going to cover every piece of the teaching that Jesus covers here. It's not possible in the time that we have allotted. But like, uh, it's very true very often. Most biblical writers who are inspired by God often don't write stories chronologically. But they write things in connection. So oftentimes when you're reading a particular set of scriptures if you read like three or four stories above it and three or four stories after it the truth of what you're really trying to learn will oftentimes be enhanced because biblical writers often clump stories and tell them in sequence to get the point across and really hammer it home that's just true about reading the bible and this is true here in matthew 18 So this context, when Jesus gives us this process on how to handle conflict, it's not just isolated, and it's really inappropriate to just cherry pick. Uh, so I admit that we're kind of doing that right now, but I'm asking you to go ahead and read more. And I'm going to uh, show you a slide here in a minute with a whole bunch of scriptures. Some, something that I've loved about this Philippians series is that it brings up so many topics but it's almost impossible to holistically cover all of these topics in just a one week. And this, I mean, conflict. I think we could spend a month on this easily and no sweat. So just saying that. Let's remember, always, always, always. Let's be diligent, good students. Remember uh, the context. But here's what Jesus' process is. Uh, let's turn there. Uh, Matthew chapter 18. Really, really good to see this. So flipping that pew Bible. First book in the New Testament, go to your digital Bible, whatever it is, uh, Matthew 18, starting in verse 15. If your brother or sister sins, maybe your version says sins against you. Most of the earliest manuscripts didn't add that last part, against you whatever that means. The point that I'm making is I think this is a good commentary and a uh, teaching from Jesus whether someone is sinning against you, sinning, or there's conflict. These are all like really nice ingredients to a beautiful recipe that Jesus lays out. The first one if a brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Have you ever done this? I want to just admit this out loud. This is a growth opportunity for this church and the church. We barely get off the ground with step number one very good. If there's a problem, go face to face. 
How? Lead with gentleness. We're not pointing fingers and looking down and we're not making this person a disgusting person or how could you or I would never. Nonsense. Go to them face to face because you love them. And talk to them. Be gentle. Don't act like you ain't done anything wrong. That's, nobody believes that anyway. So be humble. Be gentle. But be honest. What a loving thing to do. That's just step one. Should we stop there and just pray? <laughs> this is interesting to me. And like this whole process, in my opinion, is often mistaught and misunderstood. And I want to try to set the, the record straight today. And it's not, oh, because Miller said so, but because I think this is actually what's intended. And if you don't think so, let's certainly talk about it. This whole thing, uh, okay, so if they, don't, if they don't come to you, uh, if, if they're not restored, that's always, that's all, I should have said that. That's always the purpose. Never to shame, humiliate, embarrass, but to restore. To bring them back. Seek and save that which was lost. Interestingly, a story that Matthew tells just prior to this Let's just say there's a lost sheep. Okay, you know that story. You know it from Luke 15, the whole lost thing. But Matthew tells that story right before he starts into this. The whole purpose is to bring back in, to restore, to heal. If you can't get it done, take a couple people with you. And here's, here's what it is. This is not a gang up session. These are two unbiased people that love God more than they love you, but they do love you. And they're here to establish what's true. Set the record straight. Make sure we're all understanding things and there's not a misunderstanding and there's not something that's being missed or somebody's saying something that ain't true or somebody's repping something that ain't right. This is just to get the story straight. Make sure it is what it is. If they don't respond to that, tell the church. There's very specific reasons for that. Again, not for embarrassment, but for restoration. Also, the church deserves to know what's going on. They deserve to know what's going on. This is the part that I want to spend just a minute on. Jesus says, if they don't respond face to face, and if a couple of you all go and then tell the church, and that's still not getting it done, then he says, you have to treat them like an outsider. Uh, Remove any image of like swords and pitchforks and you get out of here. Remove all of that. What that is, is how do we treat outsiders? How How do we as Christians treat people who are not in Christ? With love, I hope. With welcomeness, with kindness, with generosity. We serve them. We love them. We listen to them. We we try to interact with them. Why? So they can know Jesus. If someone is sinning and all these things don't go right, we treat them like an outsider. And what that means is they can't be in our inner circle anymore. And what that means is you can't, we can't ask people who don't love the Lord advice about life. We need to stop being influenced by people who don't love the Lord. 
In this situation, if all this stuff doesn't go down, you've got to put this person in another category. And that's not get out of here mean, I don't like you, you're no good anymore. That's man, I love you and this is killing me and I probably won't be calling you and asking you for advice. And if I'm looking for in, uh, somebody to influence my life, you all, it's, you're going to be not on the list. This whole thing about kicking people out and slamming the door and throwing away the key, that's not what this is. This is the screen. Uh, we're not going to go through this. Everybody, whew. yeah, we're not going through this. But if you want this, I can email it to you. I can email you all these slides or whatever. I'm super good with technology. All right, I've been uh, getting into this Star Wars show recently. The Mandalorian, Disney Channel. Some of my boys here that love Mandalorian aren't even here. Uh, this is a cool guy. And uh, what got me thinking about the Mandalorian was this. So a Mandalorian is not, uh, you know Star Wars have all these cultures and planets and creatures and interesting things and all, all this stuff. Uh, a Mandalorian isn't determined by someone's ethnicity by someone's heritage, by someone's gender, by someone's upbringing, it's, you become a Mandalorian because you want to. And the Mandalorians have a really neat thing to do because their creed, their way of life is difficult and often solitary. And so they have a phrase that they say to each other to bolster morale and to get people uh, on track and keep going the right direction. When things ain't going right, they say, this is the way. One of the Mandalorians says, this is the way. And then the whole community says, in unison, this is the way. And I thought, boy, that sounds familiar. I've heard that before. We know that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Did you also know in Acts chapter 9, the very first assemblies of God's people, the name on their church was the way. Acts 9, 1 and 2. We have chosen, not by birthright or race or gender, we have chosen to be seen, identified with Christ. And nobody's making you. But if you are, this is the way. finishing up. We've all faced it, so we probably have some experience. We have something to bring to bear. We can help the situation. Let's not make it worse. Also, let's admit that we've created it. We've been the bad guy, so let's have some humility. Doing the to-dos is Jesus' way. An author I read uh, this week as I was getting ready for this said, in a world where most are conflict avoiders, how about we be peacemakers? Handling conflict well and handling conflict Jesus' way gives God a good name. Also, following the Lord saves us pain. We all learn from experience. 
but we can also make decisions that help shape our direction. And by making God-honoring decisions, you can actually avoid pain. You can avoid sin. So I would say to all of us, let's use our experience to glorify God. Let's not act like we are somebody we're not. But if you have experience in an area, bring it to bear. Let's be humble. And let's make a decision to follow the Lord. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Christians walk in that truth. Let's pray together. Andy, come on up. Thank you, God, for hearing uh, our prayers this week, our individual and corporate prayers. Thank you for being the God of order, the God of conflict resolution. Thank you for being our Savior, our Lord. Thank you for living inside of us and teaching us your ways. Give us the strength to make the decision to walk in your ways, to place you as Lord of our life and receive the peace that comes from acting like you. I pray that you'll bless our church to be peacemakers and conflict resolvers. If there is conflict, show us the way through, Lord God, in your name. May this church give you a good name in this community. And we, may we set an example of how to get through stuff, not perpetuate stuff. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.